Lights, camera, action. Hello and welcome to another edition of Movie Madness in association with Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Keenan Bonner. Don't know what term to use to tell you that short shoot is with us um, as to how frequently that would be. Um, I did warn Keenan this probably won't be a regular. He just pops up uh, when he thinks he likes the look of the films. Um, Sean, is this full John Wick style after I watched recently and he keeps saying people keep asking me if I'm back? I'm back. Or is this? Uh, I'm... Uh, I yeah, I think it's I'm back. I'm back. Uh, well, I think we can sit. We can safely say that you've got some. Since actually, to be fair, we've got about four red hot weeks, and then you get into the grind shoot. So we'll see where the commitment no, levels really I, are. No, to be honest, um, and I don't, I don't want to put Sean off here. Um, I think he'll like the look of it actually a lot more once we've got through the next two weeks. Excuse me, the next two weeks are sensational. That's basically what I'm here for. I'm, I'm judging by what I predict Sean's to be, and that I predict okay. Sean will like the sound of Den of Thieves versus Hell or High Water a lot more than Sin City versus History of Violence. Yeah, uh, you would be right there. So History of Violence and Sin City, both great films. I haven't I seen, gross. seen Sin City. I haven't seen um, History of Violence, though. Nor have I. And then Gross Point Blank against the other guys. Poor oh, week. Then Den of Thieves against Hell or High Water, Lawless Donnie Brasco, Snatched Back Hangover 2, Catch Me If You Can, American Made, Black Klansman, The Silence of the Lambs. It just keeps going. Oh, 10th stellar. of March, just before race week, we get into the business versus The Godfather, so uh, the hits keep on coming. That's such a tough match, though, so I fucking love the business, but it's just, it's just not going to win, is it? <laughs> it's a hit factory, this is. Um, Anyway, the matchup that we are getting into this week is 1998's Rounders versus 2017's Molly's Game. Um, Keenan, let's uh, let's play some fucking cards. <laughs> Joe, you and I have never played cards. Uh, no, we haven't. I I don't really um, play them. I mean, I used to be a pretty good crazy H player back in the day, but uh, other than that, I'm not too no, well accomplished. You've, you've never mentioned that before. Well, this is playing with my brothers on like a family holiday, so we'll have to, have to, we'll have to have a game. Do you know what poker is? Go back over the rules. The only game that I know how to play. Like crazy. I, poker, poker is. So. Yeah, I don't. I like obviously outside of like obvious shit like blackjack and but like crazy eights and like hearts and. You ask him how to play snap. He's in trouble. Like, <laughs> but no, but like other like crazy eights and hearts and stuff like that. No clue, mate. Basically, solitaire poker and like blackjack and snap. That's it. You used to play. You used to play hearts lows on the old on the old laptop. You know, Microsoft the games you got to play. Great. Not game. a clue. What, is that just solitaire or is that actually a different game? That's a different game. No, a different game. Spider hearts. solitaire on the old um, Windows PCs used to be absolutely great. Apart from there was a button that you could do to literally tell you the next move if you wanted to. Remember when it would get yeah because you, you would get you get like solitaire hearts probably spades and then but then there was also that weird um, minefield yeah minefield a minesweeper yeah that's the one yeah <laughs> they had like a pinball do you have the one where they did yeah, yeah. 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 unreal they had backgammon on it which is like the most like one of the most fucking confusing games in the world 
That's a bloody um, good pinball machine, especially if you've got like a themed one. Especially in uh, that's one of the things I remember from um, going to America because it'd be much better if I went now I'm older. But I just remember just weird themed pinball machines in all like pubs and things. Something that you'd get shit like a, just like an Aladdin pinball machine for just no reason other than the fact they probably sold it when the film came out in there. Got it a lot cheaper further down the line. Anyway, we'll start with rounders. Um, and then we'll get into Molly's game. I actually don't have the maths in front of me. I would assume Molly's, Molly's game, game more made money. more cash, but we usually make, make the rules up. So for this week, we'll go rounders first because it was an earlier film and uh, we'll go from there. Anyway, the synopsis. A young reformed gambler must return to playing big stakes poker to help a friend pay off loan sharks while balancing his relationship with his girlfriend and his commitments to law school. Keenan, and I'm saying Keenan because, Sean, I planned this episode on the basis you probably weren't going to be here. Um, <laughs> in comparison to other ones, I've not gone quite Scarface, Heat, Goodfellas preparation. Well, I've done it a bit differently here. I feel there's quite a bit more to say outside of the films as much as in the films in this one. So... We'll do the critics reviews i'm going to take you through how round is actually got made how everything came together because i think that's just as important certainly with the actors and things and then uh, we'll do the usual trivia because there's some great some great pieces for both of these films as well keenan what do you no, think I don't know if he's, the, sorry i don't what? know if he's told you shoot but he's just he's just listened not even read by the way fucking amateur just uh, listened to um the molly's game book so he's really excited to talk about it and find out all the new stuff he's learned yeah, the, the whole thing. And I've got um, the book about the making of The Godfather ready for when um, we do that. So I'll, I'm fully all in with the prep these days. I think. Uh, so you've. So you say so you've or you've listened to the actual book in Molly's Game. Yeah, watch the, the film. Yeah. Watch the film, then listen to the whole book. Um, uh, finished really it in the early hours. He's really excited to tell us what he learned. He's been on about <laughs> I think there's some, he, he legitimately been on about it for about three days now, mate. Well, I think there's some great bits. I think it adds a bit of um, a bit of something when you kind of know who these guys are. There's some little things that you pick up, and it's just an interesting story. So um, they got it the right way around, though. You know, when we spoke about kind of how you split things, and we always refer back to the man on fire split. Where you're like, this is very clearly like a 45 minutes, and then you've got the juice afterwards. Yeah, she knows what she's doing in her book, and essentially. Um, so the book, I think, was about nine hours, I think, the audio book. And you get into about seven and a half before she's in real legal trouble. So she's just giving you everything that you really want to hear about. And then afterwards, um, you've got a little chapter on her having a gun stuck in her mouth. And uh, just what an asshole everyone else was, basically. But we'll get to that film later. What do you think the critics thought of Rounders? Not great. What do you think, Sean? Uh... Yeah, I feel like not great. I feel like all kind of gambling type uh, films don't do great on, with critics. Well, I think this is one of them. Go on. No, just carry on. No, just carry on. All right. Rounders makes you feel the suspense and thrive in the thrill of the moment, always coming up. The card playing is well staged, and even those who don't know a Texas Hold'em from a Texas hoedown will get a vicarious charge out of the action. You're going to hear a lot about the good job Edward Norton and Gretchen Mull do in Rounders, but the movie lives and dies with Matt Damon. This film is never more exciting and engrossing when characters are engaging in a tough game of poker. With the stakes reaching as high as they can possibly go, 
smoke teeming from everywhere and cool jazz music underscoring and finally the end result is still short of a winning hand since the screenplay is so utterly predictable <laughs> and that that balance i've taken there in just five reviews is fairly accurate as to what the critics reviews are they were largely positive reviews with the odd one you know you can imagine the reviews they're kind of calling it like a the rocky of poker and too obvious in a lot of these things and some reviews are effectively just saying i have no interest in a film about cards and it's all oh, that's brilliant but probably you shouldn't be the one reviewing the film then there we go no 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 i picked up a lot of traction that's a couple of years later didn't it um well I, so i've got kind of how we get to this stage where the movie becomes what it is so the the very foundation of this movie effectively comes from a guy called Brian Koppelman, who's one of the writers of the movie. Um, also he says he was one eight... of the writers of Billions. Yeah, cool. so he says he was an eight-year-old playing in his first five-card draw game at a sleepaway camp, and his bunkmates effectively just cleaned him out of the $30 he'd been given by his dad that was supposed to pay for his canteen food for the week that he was there. Um he says he went home. The first thing he said is he told his dad, you need to teach me how to play cards. His dad loved poker himself, had all these different card games. He was just willing to show him and just sat down from him. And from there on, he's just been a massive fan of poker in particular. He then teams up with a guy called David Levine, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. They met while visiting um, a college or a university and just stayed in touch. And they one worked in the music industry and one was kind of on the fringes of the movie industry. They effectively said they're doing all this work for other people and they always spoke about wanting to team up and do something themselves. They said when it came to what the topic was going to be, they share a mutual love of poker, specifically the kind of underground world surrounding it in the places that they used to play. Um, so a lot of the guys in this, kind of like um, in Swingers, which... Um, we agreed a couple of podcasts ago just on the podcast that we'll do um sometime later this year but a lot of these guys are basically based on people that they met during their teenage and early 20s going around new york and these kind of areas playing poker the guy um joey kanish is based off a guy called joey bagels who i thought that was his actual name when i was first doing the research but unfortunately it isn't but this is why there's so much focus on really creating guess what I just said the kind of universe the world of poker in this they don't dumb it down when it comes to um, the terms that they use which I think is why it appeals to a lot of card players in this is effectively they expect you to pick it up as you go along and they're not going to pander to people just because they might want to see a poker film I think in 98 no one wanted to see a poker film mate so I don't I, don't, I think you had to I, I don't think genuinely uh, do you think this drags people in um I think the trailer looked cool if you watch it back. Um, and I do like to separate the podcast, but they kind of went for the transfer window approach that Arsenal did in this one, where they've gone for young actors that have a certain level of experience to make a film of this size. And they just got all of these guys at literally the perfect time. Um, yeah. This is pre Fight Club and is it pre Goodwill Hunting? Well, so the story with Matt Damon is um, he's just done Goodwill Hunting. It's not released yet. And okay. um, Myromax, who are the studio that are um, uh, like funding it effectively, 
they keep telling the director, John Dahl, and um, the screenwriters who've played more of a part than you usually would at the point after you've sold the script, that we've got this young guy called Matt Damon who effectively you have to use. This is the guy. Um, yeah, Good Will Hunting wasn't out yet, but he'd made it. The idea was that people would see Good Will Hunting and then scramble to see whatever else Damon had done at this point. And then they would just time the release of Rounders to be spot on there to suppress the appetite of people who were just fiending on Damon immediately. <laughs> um, the story goes that the first time they met Matt Damon was actually during a game of poker. They sold the script, they got things in the works, and they're just quietly gloating during a game they're playing. And they start bragging to this guy, look, we've got this poker film coming out. If you like poker, you're going to love this. We've got this guy, Matt Damon, he's going to be huge. And it just so happens the guy they're playing with is friends with Matt Damon and he thinks mm. they're calling bullshit and they're trying to show off at yeah. the table to impress people. He says, are you bullshitting now because I'm going to get him on the phone? He goes away, dials him up and Matt Damon is just as thrilled that they he sat there with the guys that have written round as the film he's about to do. In kind of true Hollywood fashion in what we hope in that these movie stars are only friends with movie stars in Damon says, well, stay right there. I'm going to come straight down. Brings Ben Affleck with him, by the way. <laughs> he just decides to rock up with. And they're all just so excited to meet, meet each other. Damon loves the script. They're, they're all unbelievably pleased because they've got kind of the next guy up. And obviously having Ben Affleck along isn't um, a bad thing either. These guys actually claim to be the ones that taught Holden Poker to uh, Ben Affleck. Poker um, loves it. Yeah, they say that they effectively, once they finish playing poker, they just kind of stay together drinking and chatting. And they say Affleck spent hours just telling them all these Michael Bay stories from the set of Armageddon, which he was filming at the time. And just asking him if kind of this world of poker is real that they're talking about, because he he was jealous of this script that Matt Damon's now about to be the star in. Um, they say Affleck is quoting their own lines from the script back to them. And that's when they thought maybe they could be onto even more of a winner than they thought, because it just felt infectious to anyone that was kind of looking at the script. They then loved the idea of Ed Norton and getting him involved. And they, he's got a, a very famous agent who I've dropped the ball on keeping his name. I think he's um, died at this point. Um, and they effectively keep offering this script to Ed Norton's uh, agent. And he's saying, you're out of your mind. Ed Norton is not a number two guy just keep that away from him. And they're saying, please just show him the script. And the director gets a direct line, goes behind the agent's back and gives the script to Ed Norton and says, please give it a read. If you don't like it, you don't like it. Um, he's not sure on it himself. And then Ed Norton phones up the director and accepts it. And he asks what it was. And he says, one single line is what reeled him in to do the film and supposedly does this with a lot of his scripts just one line can be enough to reel him in and it's the line where he asks what did i ever do to that guy damon's character says you fucked his mother and he says well she was a good looking older woman and he says he just remembers reading that line and he was like i'm in that's it he says he was looking at the lines he would have with worm and they just looked fun to say and that was enough for him to get him on board <laughs> fair play they say the first time they met Ed Norton, they went to his house to kind of explain a bit more to him about what his character was. He asks to show them a clip of the new film he's working on 
which was American History X. Fucking hell. Which is there's a there's a clip of him when he's in prison at the start of this film and he's got somewhat of a, a goatee and his his hair's a bit shorter. You can see it kind of grow throughout the film. Yeah. Um and so he literally went straight from filming American History X onto the set of Rounders. And then they say from there, the word just kind of traveled, which is how they got the likes of um, Torturo and uh, Famke Janssen and all these other guys, where they end up, when they're marketing it, has been able to say it's like an ensemble cast because they've just got these names they couldn't believe they were able to get on board. The studio had an issue with one person they wanted to cast. And if you can believe this now, it's John Malkovich. The studio said, said that they wanted um, someone who was slightly bigger and could appeal to a European audience. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> Looking back, though, them saying they, the guy <laughs> they don't want is John Malkovich. And when you think of this film, obviously, like <laughs> yeah, his character. John Malkovich is a phenomenal actor, but he's a bit of a cult actor. And he's like the same as John Tutoro. Great actor. First, 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 first time makers, and you turn and you turn into wanting to the, well, the studios wanted to turn down Malkovich. That just seems, just seems mad. I don't know what bigger name they had linked. Again, um, this is we're twenty two years in the future now, aren't we? Twenty four yes. years in the future. Sorry, sorry, it's a bit different. Folks had almost quarter of a century. When the studio was willing to give up on Ed Norton, um, they kept insisting that they wanted to get uh, Mark Ruffalo on board. He was a young guy at the time as well, and they wanted him in the uh, Ed Norton role, which I can I yeah. can see that working. But Ed he's Norton, too nice. I guess, he's just great. Too nice, Norton. I don't know if it's the face or the smile, but he looks he, he plays sleazy well. I think I think he could do it. And I always feels a bit of a insult when we're debating whether these like world class actors can do these roles. But I think there's far worse you could get to do the role than uh, Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, I just, I don't, I don't see it. Um, one of the other things they wanted is they wanted more of a face for the role of um, Matt Damon's love interest. But the writers were kind of really against this. They wanted someone who was a better actor more than just kind of put a model in this or just someone who was a recognisable actress just for the sake of it. Because they, they were worried that the studio would try and twist it to be more of a movie about romance when, if anything, it's supposed to be kind of a love between the man and the cards more than whether he can keep his girlfriend and poker's getting in the way of it. So ultimately, they all kind of got their way. Um, Damon, they say they had a break in filming. I think Damon went to some awards right around the release of Good Will Hunting and they came back to do more filming and there were fans surrounding kind of his trailer when they were trying to shoot the film and they were having to get escorts to be able to take him to and from locations because he was just that much of a star overnight. Um, while in the production office, um, and a lot of poker was played on the set of this film, there was a call that came through for Matt Damon and he took it and it was Steven Spielberg offering him the role in Saving Private Ryan. So it literally <laughs> snapped like that and he was just money from there on out. So everything just fell into place uh, as they would have hoped it would. Yeah. There's some great trivia for this film, and then we can kind of go through our thoughts on it. Um, so Matt Damon said that getting John Malkovich was just such a big deal for him, someone that he really looked up to. And he said he was taught one of his most valuable lessons as an actor, especially one that was kind of just blowing up at the time while on the set of this. He said one of the scenes that he shot with John Malkovich, Malkovich did such an over-the-top cartoonish performance 
that he thought was ridiculous. And he said, everyone in the room is applauding and praising Malkovich for how good this take was. And he said, first of all, John Malkovich kind of saw the confusion on his face and joked, what can I say? I'm a terrible actor. And then told him afterwards just what a struggle it is because he says, if you get to this point where no one gives you a straight answer, it's very dangerous. And so he considered him to be a bit of a mentor for the time that they spent together filming it. It's quite cool to think about, actually, especially for the majority of our time, at least when we got into films, Damon's already like a recognisable face, isn't he? He's already like a, a star. So it's weird imagining yeah. him as a lesser guy. What do you think of when you first think of Damon? I'm born? Yeah. Ocean's 11. Oh, yeah. I think born for me. But then Ocean's 11 will probably be next, yeah. Mainly because Ocean's Eleven was the first time I ever saw him. I think yeah, I was probably born. born. I was born would be mine. I, I always and maybe because we only did it um, a few weeks back, but I'll just think of him with the Departed mainly just because, as I've said, I, I don't think I've ever hated a character more than his character in the Departed, and he's also starred in one of the worst films I've ever seen in the cinema, um, The Great Wall, and I do present him somewhat for making that film by the fact that I probably wouldn't have seen it if it wasn't him in there. That was what that was that was what that was made for, mate. <laughs> yeah. Um Worm was actually originally supposed to smoke, but avid non-smoker Ed Norton refused. And I guess when you're Ed Norton, um and they've gone so far to get you on board, they probably aren't gonna have that as a deal breaker. Yeah. One of the things I really liked when reading up about this is um on the back of the film, Matt Damon and Ed, and Ed Norton played the uh, 10 grand buy-in Texas Hold'em tournament at the 1998 World Series of Poker in Vegas. Um, during the first of four days, Matt Damon had pocket kings and was knocked out by former world champion and poker legend Doyle Brunson, who held pocket aces. <laughs> That's a great bit of trivia. I like I'm sure it was a press thing, but I like the idea of them going into that after making rounds, <laughs> thinking maybe they had a they had a little something to them. Sure. Um, a bit quieter than I expected today, Keenan. You all right? Yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Someone's just asked me a question that I need to answer pretty quickly. Well, uh, Sean had rattled you. Um, no, not at all. Although he's fucking, hand... his, aunt, his auntie's pretty popped, dude, so he pissed. The hand that Michael uses to beat Teddy KGB in the final game against each other is known as flopping a nut straight, which in this case was an eight of spades and a nine of spades. It was the same move that Johnny Chan used in the game that Michael was watching on his VCR when Petra came to visit him at his apartment. Mm-hmm. Did you I notice what a fight? Good. Sorry? So it's nice when a poker works out like that. Um, did you notice what fight's on in the background in the final scene? I only did because I'd looked at the trivia beforehand. No, go on. You've got a young Floyd Mayweather in the background against um, Jesus Chavez. And it's quite obvious because you can just see him just jabbing the guy's head off throughout the final scene. No, I um, didn't notice that. I was watching yeah. the cards. And if you were uh, wondered how things kind of turned out in the initial screenplay and the novelization of the film. Michael and Petra do have a relationship together 
did end up sleeping together. They just decided not to put that in the film. Um, uh, Worm, he, he never sees from him again. Um, and in the film as well, Michael does go to Las Vegas and begins a winning career as a poker player. He and Joe never got back together. Um, and the film was going to end with um, Joe sending him a wedding invitation to which he has a look at, turns away, carries on driving back to Vegas. Hmm. Do you like that? Or you like the kind of way it, it kind of ends with he's got the world as his oyster kind of thing? Uh, the world is oyster. I mean, I'd be like five years old and he's supposed to be in this film now, but I'd still like to reach a point where the world, world could be my oyster. You you kind of feel like if it ends like he, he's beaten KGB and then you've got multiple storylines after, you've got to feel it would somewhat take away from the kind of sincerity of that scene if that's maybe not the be-all and end-all. Like he's still got problems to deal with after that. In this, it's kind of he beats KGB and suddenly life's good again. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, it's a bit like you say about him beating, and I know he loses a lot, but... He gets, um, he says it, doesn't he? He says, what's he call it? He, he calls it three bags of high society, which is... Yeah, so he gets his... Which, uh, yeah, but he, get, he gets what he want, wanted to do originally. Because, I mean, how, did it work? how do you think that works in the, the initial? She bombs him for playing poker anyway. So if he wins that first game at uh, KGB's, it, evidently, they're, they're done anyway. So, yeah, I mean, they probably would have enjoyed it briefly. I, I think, I guess, the way the, the, the film's supposed to go is that even if he wins that game against KGB, he's still going to lose that shortly after. Yeah. yeah That's just uh, the way yeah, he's yeah. playing at that point. So I think uh, if it's the case that she kind of knew he was a gambler early doors, it's kind of like when you made your bed here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she does because she says, look, I watched you build yourself back up. I watched you lose it all, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so she, it was all good when he was winning. Yeah. I, I, you never really get a hint how long they've been, uh, how long they've been together, do, do, do you? But... If that's the case and they were together pre, then but you know you know what you're into you know what you're in for. Yeah, and uh, what gets me throughout the whole film is um, we're led to believe that his kind of punctuality and things like that start to decrease as he gets back into poker. Hmm. The other two people in his kind of group project just seem to despise him already at that point. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't yeah. know what he's done. They're both just shooting him daggers just the entire time that he's there. And uh, oh yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a couple of bits in this that poor decision making from <laughs> from our guy Matt. Like, I, like, take you for example, Brian. I, I've got all the time in the world for you, but if somehow you are a loan shark, fifteen k, and he's like, yeah, it's on you. It's, it's on you as well. No, it ain't, mate. I don't know. Yeah. I'm leaving you in the door. If he decides to shoot you, I'll, I'll come to the funeral. I'm not taking on a fifteen grand debt for you. Like, and he does it with like, yeah. It's on. Also, I mean. Do you know any teachers that are willing to then bankroll you just because of a little tale they had from their mother earlier in their life? Um, great guy, though. Great guy. Oh, yeah, for sure. He's, um, look, I can't give you 15 bags, but I'm willing to give you 10. What's it? Damon's like, come on. Yeah, when he goes, oh, if it's got to be tonight, it has to be tonight, it's 10. Like, all right, sound. I also, like, he just seems to cast that at some fucking really dodgy place as well. Like, yeah. I don't know where... I know New York's a big city. I don't live in a big city, but... 11 o'clock at night, for example. What the fuck are you cashing a check? <laughs> I, I, think, I realise this point, is a long time ago, but... Right. 
one of the bits in the film that probably gets me more than any is when um, Mike gives Worm $220, by the way, and he's, he, we get the impression he, he's not working, he's literally just a law student. He's driving he's finishes $220 and he's turning his nose up at him right away, just so ungrateful, saying, is that it? That's not going to get me very far. Yeah. That's a little cheek of it. Yeah. I mean, well, you know what he's about. Find out he's just he's been on the hook for distributing dodgy credit cards. Yeah. Could um, could Mike realistically do that trick in that space of time that he does when he goes into um, the judges' game? No. Like, I know it's good in the film. I just don't know if there are people with even <laughs> with the highest level of card counting. But what, what's he in there? Like thirty seconds before, and he says that he's already like scooped the entire table. You can't count cards in poker. Even if you like, if you're, I, I genuinely think in like you could have the best read in the world. I, I, I think you, I don't think it's possible. I might be wrong. I'm less than average poker player as much as I love the game, so I'm not the person to be asking. But do I think so? You could walk in and cold read four fuck it, like five hands. Absolutely. Absolutely. The other thing when when you play poker is, um, I always keep the faith. I always message Rory say, uh, Keenan, Keenan been winning today. I mean, <laughs> I've been, okay. been playing okay again recently, which was nice. Um, he doesn't tell me so, about your wins. I haven't cast in a while, but playing tournaments is different to like playing cash in it. But it's yeah. nice to nice to be back. Step, like, we certainly stepped up a level in terms of the tournaments we're buying into, but that's just because it's easy because there's a lot, a lot less than us. It's easy to get a game um, at a bigger price. Raw is real good. In, really, in, really, in this, really good. In the spirit of the game, I was uh, just watching some poker clips on my lunch oh, break today did you watch um did you watch the shark, uh, shark tank episode I so i watched about five minutes and it just wasn't what i was after i was after okay. something more digestible so and you can see it's, it's no um affront to what you gave me that my next um shot was top four most iconic poker fights of all time um and then like the top 10 best winning hands at the, the world one, series the one thing i meant to say to you is i suppose yeah it's, it's it's not it, like there are parts like if you were to skip through it when you get to the hands they're very digestible because it's pay it's played at like a 30 second shot clock you get yeah because like, you get two extensions but you get to ping it through but because it's a it's a like a cut down of a six hour stream or whatever or seven hour stream whatever it is um like you can go on post stars youtube and just stream like the epcs and stuff like I, yeah I, I, I used to just have it on in the background as i was doing stuff i just have it on for hours um but with the show, with like Shark Tank and stuff and coverage of like full coverage of tournaments, there's a lot of like features and interviews and the comment like the commentators talking and get, sort of giving colour colour to stuff. Yeah, I tried to um, offend Rory earlier by telling him he reminded me of a guy in the video I just watched, um, and then he took it as a compliment, called him the goat, and said he'd read his autobiography. Just so yeah, it was yeah. I was just the watching poker. some some clip of that and I wrote whinge. Yeah, he does. Uh, there's a there's a great clip of him. Where he... <laughs> <laughs> he just kept whinging, saying, "You're not you're not letting me you're not letting my you're not letting me do my uh, you're not letting me use my reading abilities." Yeah, um, no, he's just being one... mocked around the table. There's man. You could, like have a have a YouTuber Phil Hamill. Some of these clips fucking brilliant. The one I love. <laughs> Called a raise just... for the Queen Ten. <laughs> Called a raise for the Queen Ten, half honey. Yeah, uh, I do love that. Also. 
I love when he calls uh, Tom Dwan, who was like, a, he probably still is actually, but he's a little bit old now, but was like a fucking poker sensation. He just keeps calling him an internet player. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, I, and that was in the, one of the clips that I watched. <sighs> These fucking internet players. It, uh, honestly, it's phenomenal. You see, there's like the, good value and good, good to listen. There's, there's one, I mean, that's, as we've mentioned, I, I may just put the link to the video in um, the episode description. But there's just some big Australian bloke just baiting some <laughs> Russian, just caught, just saying to him, come all in with me then. How much are you betting? Come all in with me. Tony, Tony G. Yeah, and the guy just does it. And then once yeah. he wins the hand, <laughs> they're clapping him. And he's saying to him, why are you clapping this guy? Why are you clapping this guy? He came in with a, with a, with a king and a jack or something like that. And he's saying, this isn't a good player. I don't understand why you're cheering <laughs> for this guy. And he just get a lot of right in his face. Tony G, man. Oh, you are, hours. How are you a professional player? How are you a professional player? There's a, all there's of this. Hours of him just like fucking verbally battling people. The other one there, Mike, they, like Mike the Mouse, they used to call it, it was Mike, Mike Matasau. It's just another one. It's he just was like... in one of the clips I saw as well. <laughs> that, that Tony guy, they're, they're calling him a racist in the comments and because he called the guy Russian. And it's like, I'm all for calling that racism. The guy literally is Russian. It, there's <laughs> the, no the, there is a Russian saying. flag next to his name. Um, he says, "Get him out. Bring me another Russian." I I don't um I don't I don't know I don't, I, don't, I think poker I don't think poker will ever get to to, to that stage like the, obviously after the online poker boom and stuff and like you have late night poker on ESPN and on Channel Four over well, here. Playing then... it when when we were watching um what's it called? You know the game. You are. What's the game we were watching during the first lockdown? Oh, Cornhole. Cornhole, yeah. But they were yeah, showing probably. poker as one of them during um, the Ocho on um, ESPN. Yeah, they would yeah, show they like, were... little games. Yeah, they will do. Like, I, I think it had, it really did have a moment. Like, it's, there's still people who make millions, mind. Like, but the the Americans, like after Black Friday, when they kicked out of, um, when they kicked out of America, when Stars and a couple of others got done, obviously it just hurts it massively. And I don't, yeah. you'll always struggle to bring back, obviously where states make their own laws, you always struggle to bring back online gaming in certain places in America. Like you can bet online in Florida now. Um, yeah, even as, as just a comparison, um, part of the reason they say uh, the writers of the film loved it so much is they said that the places you were having to go to play felt like the most illegal, legal thing you could do. And they said like one of the, the first game they played when someone would just invite you to a game was in the back room of a Russian synagogue. And they were like, we're not doing anything wrong here. We're literally, we've all bought in properly. It's a fair game of poker, but it just feels a bit dirty to it. And they said that's what they really wanted to get across in this was the different types of poker game that you could have. And ultimately, the way that they do um, kind of sell the games in this film are you're effectively not having a proper fun game of poker unless you are in some dimly lit bar with like a guy and a wife beater next to you and this kind of thing. The, like, the games they have in actual casinos, they kind of look down on in this film as being too touristy. Yeah. No, yeah, I I don't know. I, it's like I always remember years ago this bit. It was when, um, when I used to watch a lot of like IFL, um, and like listen to a lot of Eddie Hearn's interviews. He was saying because Matchroom yeah. used to do um used to hold the rights for poker over here. 
Okay. Um, and the TV rights, and they used to like host her on tournaments and so on. And he was saying like everyone always says the boxing world is dodgy. He was like, I've never met fucking any anything. I've never seen anything like the poker world. <laughs> so it's just full of. He was like some some bloke got got the got the up once because they wouldn't take two. They wouldn't take a quarter million cash off him. Like they yeah. they they were holding the tournament in a warehouse, like in a big industrial yeah. unit, and bloke just turned up with a with a suitcase or a suitcase, sorry, a briefcase full of um like cash, and it was like a quarter of a million. They were like, no, obviously. Not accepting two hundred and fifty grand worth of cash yeah. off, you mate. Like, what are you doing? There's one with that Phil bloke, and he's calling out the dealer, and he says, "You've been dealing me shit all night. You've been dealing me shit all night." And he's like, "This is literally the first hand I've dealt. I've just sat down." <laughs> um, in this, I know um, some of the reviews say there's a couple of anomalies that you effectively just have to choose to overlook. Um, in this, should should we overlook that quickly that? Damon doesn't calculate that there could possibly be a stronger winning hand on the table when he loses his 30k to KGB. No, but uh, yes. Because everything I, else we see from that point, he's very analytical and he works out effectively and he's only playing if he's going to win the hand, apart yeah, from he, the few times when he says, like, I had to try and do it to kind of, when they're chasing money. He wasn't chasing money at this point. This was his big game. He says flat out, he says, I, I got lost. I saw my hand. I, I stopped thinking about his. He actually says, he'd like, that's the line in the film. He says, I wasn't thinking properly. Okay. And then he also says, because he tells Kanish the story about... Um, Can we call him Nish for the state, for the purpose <laughs> of uh, this, this podcast? No. no, we can't. He so, says, calls Kanish. He says, it wasn't, that I was, it wasn't that I was unlucky. I was outplayed. He's well aware of his mistakes. But again... He's chasing money will make you do awful things. Let's be honest. So he, he, are, you he, more he of a, are you more of a Kanish player? Uh, I'm very, uh, yeah, I'm very, very, uh, very tight, very tight player. Very Kanish. Um, yeah, I, I mate, honestly, I, if I was, if I was anywhere near good enough, I mean, anywhere near good enough, I would love to chuck it in for six months and just, just do that every day. Be it in person, be it online. I would. I, I actually couldn't. I couldn't envision a better job. Well, I'm not talking we, about being a millionaire. Like just grinding out. Even if I could effectively come up with the wage that I'm on now, and have that as my actual profit to take away, so I have a bankroll of X, and then my my profit loss at the end of the year is plus my salary now. Obviously, me, I can't, could never guarantee that, but I'd take it. I'd take it away straight away. Me and Sean um, know a lad whose dad was his profession was that he was just a gambler. Um, no, I know, I know a couple, but I don't no. know. I mean, I, we we all know someone that tried it. It, it. This lad's dad was a lot more successful. Um, no, I know people who have been. I know two lads that have been very successful. I know one person who was not who. Well, I suppose it depends how you define success. Financially, he wasn't successful, but fuck me, it sounds like he had a great time. Um, I feel like I feel like I'm stressed enough as it is, let alone. I can, yeah. I don't know how how I could possibly do that. Just the the stress level would be far too much. I don't know. I I I, I couldn't. Oh, I couldn't think of anything better. Yeah, yeah. Like other than being like a, like a footballer or something mental. Like obviously looking at a statement, I'm never going to be a fucking athlete, am I? But. Like in terms of the dark player, coordinated mate, yeah. cat hands. Um, <laughs> I keep getting those. I keep getting those adverts. I keep seeing those adverts on YouTube. Yeah, for that match betting. 
yeah. I get that all the time. Never actually done it or tried it because it just seems like it's a scam. But speak tough about it. I'm sure he'll tell you. <laughs> we we usually um, we don't give his name on this podcast, and we refer to him as Waft because it gives you plausible deniability. Um, <laughs> yeah, he just, he's just te- he say. just texted me. Would you like me to ask me if he knows anything about match betting shoot? Yeah, go on. And That's we don't need you distracted with while uh, while doing this. So it's <laughs> probably for the best. That, uh, we don't we we this film. At what point? Do you hold it against Mike for still keeping Worm around? Because I know you referenced it there, Keenan, that you wouldn't take a fifteen uh, k hit for me, which um, harsh. Also, what are you telling me you'd do it for me? I don't well, take fifteen. No, I'm just you wouldn't to take fifteen because... quid for me, you prick. No, wait. Because, <laughs> hang on, hang on. Because previously, right. previously, you said that you would go and kill a pimp for me to escape to uh, help me escape. So I'm just trying to weigh up like where the middle ground is. Killing a pimp ain't costing me 15 grand. <laughs> it cost you a lot more, to be honest. It could do, but there's no... there's no. You said the issue out, was that he wanted to um, kind of guarantee your life with the 15 grand, like it was on you as well. Um, That's the other part of it is, I mean, if I shoot, a, if you kill a pimp, then I, I may not die. I mean, I might do, but... If I if I I could be out fifteen grand, which is a really bad result, or we don't get the fifteen grand, next thing you know I'm getting shot and buried in the weeds. <laughs> I don't think we should have let Sean back on here after his opinion on true romance. Actually, that's still <laughs> right with me. Yeah, it's weird you don't like that film. It's phenomenal. Um, at what point do you let him go? When Petra okay, and I always can't remember the actress's name. Is it Hansen? Thank you. I can never remember her name. When never she turns to the great shows, film Taken. Um, when she turns over and says, oh, yeah, he took two out on you. But you're dead to me at that point. And then, so, yeah, yeah. It's, now, it, it's now up to seven. And, we, and we, we're running interest on that. All right. Cool. Cool. So not only does he end up owing the 15 to a loan shark. Never met a loan shark. Don't imagine they're a particular, particularly nice breed of people. Um, hence the reason that grammar scenes are all violence and threats of murder. Yeah. Um, so 15 grand then once you pay that off he still says he says he has to give six back to the Chesterfield because he gives her a grand when she's in the apartment so that means he's, he, he's out 22 that fucking dickhead he should never have got himself in that position that man really loves his poker as well when um, she's got it on the plate there for him and he's like no come on I'll see you soon got his yeah, head she, in the game pretty spicy in this film before she goes on to uh, give birth next to man, uh, Liam Neeson's son. She's also like, she's the mum in Taken. Yeah, I know. Uh, they, were they together? Yeah, she did. She play. Um, That's where I was Jean, thinking. Jean Grey. Is it Jean Grey in the original X Men? Yeah. Yeah, one, yeah. One, two, yeah. and three. So I've never, I've never actually connected. So I now I recognise her from Taken, but I never actually connected her to being the original Jean Grey in X Men either. Hmm. But of course she is. Yeah. X-Men 2. Great film. Great film. Great film. Crazy, weird, weird film. The guy who directed it is like, like, off his fucking nose. We were going to do it as our... Well, we were going to do it, Sean, and you voted against it, if you recall. I don't remember <laughs> voting against X-Men 2. <laughs> Keenan literally voted for it. <laughs> I did not vote against X-Men 2. Fair play, shoot. You are a dickhead sometimes. <laughs> we did it in... We did it in... We did it in... Not the last bracket, but the bracket before. 
actually it might have been the last bracket when Harper had dropped out, so we were picking yeah. what was going to be the last wild card, and I think you put it third in your list, which meant that it was a wild card pick. This is blasphemy. It was Byron who nominated it as his wild card pick, if I remember correctly. Yeah. I would not have rated it that low. Well, there was more than three options, so you had it on your list, but you didn't have it high enough on your list. I'm sure I had it at least second. Well, there you go. It wasn't high enough. It seems to remember you put it god-awful of the suggestion as well. Um, but there we go. Um, Keenan, grammar in, um, in, in, this, uh, in this film. Yeah, thank you for clarifying. Strange. Oh, I mean, the whole. I thought you were just going to ask me about my grammar. Oh, no, he has various opportunities where he could just beat the shit out of them if he wanted to. Hmm. Then he gets the opportunity where he could get his money back, and he allows him to play on. And then at the end, when he wins to effectively kind of clear his name, he's annoyed that he can't have his money or beat the shit out of him. He's but had he multiple opportunities. He, he, get, he gets his money, doesn't he? That's the point. What the hell is he angry? Wait, doesn't he say that he wouldn't get the money because he says that he would? You take it up with KGB. No, no. If you remember, as he walks oh. away, I paid fifteen to Grammar. Yes, yes, So, so what the hell is Grammar? Grammar is angry at the end when he wins. Uh, I think maybe it's because he was just actually just wanted to beat the shit out of him. But that's my point. He had yeah, multiple no, opportunities I, to do this in the film. No, I agree. No, I know. I think he, he, he wants... I think it's... I don't know. It's almost like a humiliation thing. Because he's like, Teddy, what are you doing? Like, like, take him out. Let's end it. Let's end it. And I think it's probably annoying watching him win because you've missed those opportunities. You can't really beat the shit out of him now that he's going to pay you. I mean, you can't. The, can't the, the guy doesn't have many morals to begin with. He, no, no. He's but a you get my point, you? Yeah, I yeah, get you. You get I my get point. Like, point. He, Joe, he owes you the money, then... The, the feeling is in the film and I agree with it but he owes you money you own him sort of thing you can do what you want like when he takes when he nicks like he takes the, the sort of the whole thing off worm and like kicks like kicks fuck out of him in that club they don't they don't they just, they're just like alright cool yeah I owe him some money he's kicked fuck out of me we move and then so, I suppose it, you, you might not be looked upon as kindly if if you bought stocks in poker before you watch this film and the stock price was then going to be determined by how cool or uncool this film makes it look do you think you come out of it thinking it's cooler to play poker or the opposite they show you obviously the dark side of it in the way that the game can be exploited people losing all of their cash and having nothing more to kind of live on um, people having to literally run away because of debts they got themselves into with this and they also show how cool it can be to take out a mob boss and um, kind of ride, ride out with uh, the people behind you. Do you think this makes poker look cooler or less cool by the end of the film? Of course, it depends how much of a degenerate you are, mate. You tell me. Do you think it makes it look more <laughs> or less cool? Uh, I don't know. Because the point of it, I guess, is to, is to show all of the different sides, but yeah, I mean, also, you have to live in, like, I mean, I'm sure there are, but, like, I couldn't, I don't know, I wouldn't be able to walk to a game like the ones they play in tonight. 
or go to a game. Sorry, to play a game to win playing. I can go and play a game of poker tonight, uh, somewhere somewhere in Cheltenham, but it's very civil and very like very friendly. So I can go and play a game or go and play a cash game somewhere in a pub. Yeah, absolutely, but not sort of the way the way that it's depicted. But in terms of does it make poker look? I I liked this film so much because I already liked poker so much. It was the people. It was the people that I played poker with at the time that told me I had to watch Rounders. Do you tell so, me? Do you think it makes it look more or less cool? I don't know. You've got to give me an answer. It's the whole point of the podcast. Well, I don't know. So again, it depends how much of a degenerate you are. I can't say any clearer than that. If you were determining the stock price of poker by the end of this, on the basis of how cool it looks, would you put the price up or would the price go down? How much? That's subjective. That's, it's meant to be subjective. I've literally asked Yeah, it's you. subjective to me. And I've told you, I do not know. So, Sean, can you give me an answer? Sorry, I was just out. Say it again. What? <laughs> the worst of all sides here. Do you think this film makes playing poker oh, right, look yeah, more yeah. or less cool yeah, than it did you. when you went into the film? Uh, I'd say more. Personally. I agree with you. Uh, I think, to be honest, I think any... Of those, I mean, I know that you can take obviously Molly's game is is that as well, which you go on to. But then even like Twenty One, for example, um, if you've seen that, have you have you both watched that? No. Yeah. With, right, with, with, with Spacey, with, with Spacey yeah. and yeah, um, I actually really quite like that film. Yeah. I need to ask if either of you recognise the film either. But finish what you're saying first. Um. But yeah, I was just going to say that you know, then that makes like Blackjack look really cool, and and yeah, I think any of any kind of poker scenes, I think, do make it look good. So, so yeah, I'd say it does. Strange Irish films about people cheating that make it look cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, in this film, no one gets cheated. At, uh, no one gets cheated at um, hold up that whole uh, at Texas Hold'em. It frustrates they, me that they play various different types of so poker. They cheat the in, They get cheated playing five. They cheat the posh guys playing five card stud. And then I'm pretty sure they're playing stud when they go to the game of the police as well, because he gets dealt or he, they are playing stud. They're playing free card stud because he gets he gets card face up. So no one actually gets cheated playing poker in this. It's Keenan. Have you ever you know on the app that we use and have played? Well, I, I don't know if you do or not. I was going to ask. Have you ever played in it? No, no. Me about me. He's been invited. Any of you? Because I didn't yeah, know if you knew what that type of what that type of poker is called. It's What's Texas Hold'em. It is Texas Hold'em, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Texas Hold'em is two right. cards. You get five. You get five cards. Yeah, five, five right, card yeah. poker, which is okay. an old. What like my dad used to play five card poker. Effectively, you um, share the cards in the middle and then make the best combination using your cards on the ones in the middle. You draw. You draw two. You're trying to make the best five. You you take yeah. what you need. You're trying to make the best five card hand still. Is there a version where you get you have like five or or three straight away? Yeah, five card poker. Yeah, they show it in the film. Right, yeah, yeah. Are you Sorry. with us today? Five card poker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Five card poker is like two repeats. Someone call you. Apologies to anyone listening. Um, it's the old school like style of poker. That's like what my dad used to play, and I'd never, I still never played it to this day actually. But my dad really likes playing it. But everyone, most places now, play text hold. You get people. You obviously get people who play Omaha and stuff as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Omaha's a really tough game. Fun. Though. No. To see, I'm not going to look this up before I ask because I'm not sure if this is a figment of my imagination. I seem to remember there being a film, I'm going to say 2014 15 ish. I'm 
thinking it's Ben Affleck, loses a game of online poker and then tracks down because he believes he's been cheated by the online game. Is it Runner Runner? Was that runner, runner. Is it Runner Runner? That sounds accurate. 2013. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's the film. So I didn't make it up. But I remember seeing it at the cinema and having no clue about poker. And I was going to say it wasn't him, it was Justin Timberlake. And Timberlake's in it as well. So there we go. Um, Justin Timberlake, Dan Affleck, Gemma Arthur, Anthony Mackie. That's a very 2013 film, Matt. Yeah, I uh, received generally negative reviews from critics and grossed at 62 million. I quite it's, like it. Hey, produced by Brian Kaufman and David Levine again. Um, yeah, they also did a, those two did um, a, what you call it? Yeah, they did a 30 for 30 um, yeah. as well. They seem like I remember very nice, to be honest. the film being um, pretty ridiculous. Now, what I was building up to when I was asking you, Keenan, how cool the game was before you sidetracked me. Um, I didn't sidetrack you, you're just being a dick. You sidetracked me, but I'm giving me an answer. I wanted an answer. Um, the scene where you get the big build up, you um, have the speech from um, Worm about check raising tourists. Uh, where he says, You know what cheers, cheers me up when I'm feeling shitty? Roll up paces over kings, check raising stupid tourists and taking huge pots off of them all night, high limit, hold them at the Taj. When a sand turns to gold, stacks and towers of checks I can't even see over. That little scene with the uh, worm saying, don't tease me, and Mike at the end saying, let's play some cards, is I'm as pumped up by the end of that scene than I am during the walkouts in a Rocky film. It's the music in that scene the point that really gets me is Worm saying, don't tease me, when you see the excitement that he's starting to get. Even the first time I see in this film, when I was kind of picking up bits of poker as I went along, I think I was texting Rory maybe as I was watching it. Um, it's as cool a scene as I think we've done in this bracket. I mean, I'm not saying it's, it's, it's top of the list. There's been some very tough competition, but it's right up there when it comes to uh, the memorable scenes that I have all the way through this bracket. Do you know there like, wasn't there wasn't a question in that? After me sidetracking you from a question with a question, you've made such a big show about me not answering a question. Well, the question was not was to, then to be not a, ask me a question. It's not quite the question was to then lead on to the the way they do in this, that you can be as pumped up about watching people play cards as you can about Rocky going into Russia to face Ivan Drago on Christmas Day. It's impressive the way they sell poker in this, but all of they don't shy away from the bad things that this can do. They still manage to make it a very cool film. And that's probably the number one word I would use to describe this film in general. I think it's just a cool film the whole way through. Well, Travelling to the unknown for many people at that point is the point around it. So like I say, this picked up a lot of traction later on. This is before this is before the online poker boom when Moneymaker won the World Series. That, people became a lot, of, a lot more interested in poker. It's always been around. Like it's, say, Johnny Chan won the World Series in 88 and, and so on, but there's an availability to a mass market. And it's the same as... Well, it's the same... It, it's a ridiculous comparison to make, but I, I, I think you'll get it. It's the same reason that 
mob films are so interesting and people love them yeah. so much is it's a it's a journey into a world that you 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 don't get to see from the outside you have to be in it and to be part of it but how many of like, all the clubs they go to are all members clubs they've all got security doors you've got to be known or you've got to vouch for someone and so on and so, and so forth it's also it's, it's very hard to go wrong with a shot of driving into vegas like you put that into almost any film it's lifting the moment at least in that scene it the 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 shots they have in this one of the driving towards the Taj are just so good because obviously that's what uh, Mike and Worm I guess his characters have been dreaming about the whole time. It's what uh, Kanish says. Yeah, I don't need that. But once you see, they drive to Atlantic City, though. Okay, okay I've, I've just seen the, one of the the Taj. Um, I should be in Vegas. Um, I might be wrong, but I was just thinking. New York to Vegas is some fucking drive. Yeah. Do you <laughs> uh, not show a shot of Vegas in this film? Have I got that completely wrong? Because no, I I've enjoyed know, it I, as if I it's a shot of Vegas. The, um, it's not Vegas, but you can't get you can't get a get you can't get a big game in New York City because everyone's in uh, everyone's in the casino the weekend. Um, but it may, I'm, I might be wrong, but I honestly thought the point that was they went to Atlantic City. All right. Well. Take back everything I've just said in a, a scene of driving into Atlantic City. There's just few things cooler that you can have. I might be wrong. I just maybe I assume if they're pressed for time. Um, or oh, sorry, it, it, they're not pressed for time. I thought they go to Atlantic City in Atlantic City. Yeah, Mike Worm tells Mike about his debt to grammar, but withholds that he's working for KGB. All right, there's a Taj in Vegas and there's a Taj in uh, Atlantic City, so. I guess he's using that Atlantic City trip. I mean, I don't know. I, I actually, I, I don't to. know. Um, I don't know where the where they shot where they shot it. I assume they shot it in Atlantic City, but I mean, the, the video feed might be from that shot of them driving towards that does give you the feeling of as much as it makes sense the way Joey wants to play. You can easily understand how the way. Mike thinks in wanting to look if I'm going to be good at this I don't just want to settle for not even not just not winning games but just taking his profit and feeding his kids and that's you can see how you could get ideas above your station when you watch this film yeah oh easily very, should very we move on to Molly's game and loop back around yeah, yeah. okay so the synopsis the true story of Molly Bloom, an Olympic-class skier who ran the world's most exclusive high-stakes poker game and began an FBI tar- and became an FBI target. Sean, what do you think the critics think of this? Good, good reviews. Keenan, I think they'll be. A, I think they'll be favourable. Like they'll be decent. With Sorkin, so, Sorkin at the at the wheel. Yeah, Sorkin has always been an actor's writer. And Chastain reveled in his dense but flowing dialogue. Her performance is the key to Molly's game's success. Um, for those that have just heard Sean reference the name there and me in the review, um, is it fair to say he writes quite preachy scripts? He's a fucking oddball, mate. A, a number of a few good men. The Social Network, Moneyball, Steve Jobs, Trial of the Chicago 7. 
He's also now making a TV movie on a few good men, so I think he's cashing out there. Have you but, seen um, Have you seen Trial of Chicago Seven? I haven't. I haven't. Um, I actually quite like it. I think it's quite good. But there's a certain um, each each of his films, whether it's obvious to anyone other than him, they all carry a message, don't they? They all carry that kind yeah. of <clears throat> way. There's it. You see in even other reviews that I've maybe not taken down previously, they'll be referred to as Sorkin-style dialogue. He's believed to be quite indul- self-indulgent by others that kind of critique his work, and I think it works in the favour of Molly's game in this case because um, they just allow her to tell the story. And by taking excerpts directly from the book, which most of um, the kind of uh, narrations are, it probably allows her to keep it on track if he was going to paint it in uh, that way at all. Um, Overplays its hand. It's neither a searing indictment of high-stakes illegal gambling nor a psychological study of its main character. Instead, it's a pair of deuces when it should have been a full house. Jessica Chastain shows us both her resolve and her vulnerability, and the scene near the end with Kevin Costner as Bloom's father is one of the best of the year. Contrasted with... I could have done without the shoehorn therapy session with Dad at the end, but one unnecessary scene within two plus hours is a commendable ratio. I, I do think it's a pretty ridiculous scene, to be honest. Either of you care to comment? I agree. Gosh, this hard word this is. I thought we were going to be free flowing. <laughs> um, I was riveted from beginning to end with Molly's game. It has some of the best performances of the year. It has some of the best writing of the year. And it has a true life story that is so vastly strange and unbelievable that it truly has to be witnessed. I actually, as much as I do, I've just mugged. Aaron's talking off on it more, but I do actually think this is written. This is written really well. Uh, yeah, I think that the, yeah, the cast is is really strong as well, isn't it? Yeah. If you actually think about the film, very little happens. But in in terms of like an an action point, very little really actually happens. Yeah, so they they could not have not. Um, they could have drama like even the bit where um, the mobster comes over and she has the gun in her, in her mouth like it's a tiny bit, isn't it? They they could have probably dramatized yeah. that even more if they wanted to. Yeah, like but that's not saying like I will get to what I think about the film, but like if you think a lot of it is just like I reckon how long do you reckon she's just sat having a chat with Idris for? Um, third maybe. A third, you reckon? I don't, I, I don't know. I'd, I'll probably, I might have gone higher. I, uh, actually, I don't. How long's the film? Two hours? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's two hours. Was, sorry, two yeah, hours, 20. Sorry. Yeah, you're pretty much bang on, mate. Actually, I would have said about 40, 45 minutes. But there isn't a singular one of those scenes when they are talking that I don't enjoy. It's just two very, 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 very good, or a very, very good actor and a very, very, very good actress like putting, that... putting their work in. And it's, it's, meant to watch that character in general doesn't exist he's essentially kind of an amalgamation of several different people and someone to just make the the film flow um Mm. as i as i said earlier there's very little in the book about the legal side of things um and so i think for sorkin to tell the story in the way he wants to if we go by his other things he does want to have some kind of message in there and so it effectively works as, look, this is bad and you can enjoy these parts more. But at the same time, we do have to acknowledge um, 
the the crimes and things that were being committed and the dark side of this. Um, but at the same time, I think it's effectively just used as a vehicle to tell the story in where they can't have, as you said, that not a lot happens, or certainly it would be long, it would may get tired very quickly if it was just an entire film of here's a poker scene, here's a poker scene, here's a guy that doesn't want to pay his debt, okay, he pays his debt, here's another poker scene. So they need some, something to break it up and tell the story with something in between to just, uh, I guess, keep everyone happy. Yeah. I don't know. I, like, I, obviously, I haven't read the books. So I don't know what, what other scenes in terms of poker would you, would you include. Uh, it's, it's a lot of the same, ineffectively. Um, the game size gradually goes up. Um, the celebrity cameos kind of get more and more. As, as they say in the film, almost all of the key celebrities mentioned are the ones that are mentioned in um, the Bad Brad deposition. So she doesn't really go out of her way to name anyone else if they have kind of a, a key role. You do get, and I, I wrote this down while listening, the book kind of drops in things like um, at this game, Nelly appeared for some reason, and then they just kind of gloss on to the next thing as if that's just a minor thing, or the Olsen twins swung by with a player, and I let them stay because they bought a big fish for us. And it's a lot of little things like that, the likes of um, the guys that we're going to get to, as in the film. The people mentioned are the people whose names you continually see in the book. So when I first saw the film, there's a big thing about who is player X. As soon as you read like within by the first chapter of them playing poker, it's just blatantly obvious who it is. Like, it's not even under wraps at all. Um, so it's quite obvious in that case, but you can understand why they didn't just go out naming people. Um, all of the extras in the card games are professional poker players. Um, Aaron Sorkin said that he really wanted to ensure that the film had realism right down to the way that the players kind of handled cards during games. Um, so alongside this, according to Sorkin, the actors would play poker between takes with the professional poker players who appeared as extras. So the extras who are usually paid $90 a day for a 12-hour workday were coming off the set mm. of some of the highest paid people as a result because they were just Can cleaning I... up. May I ask you a question? Yep. Does it, do you know in the book who um, Donny Silverman is supposed to be? Um, I've noted down who a lot of the ones are that you do have, so let me just see. Do you know the guy I mean? He's the guy, he's like, oh, just... he won the World, World Series of Poker, but he's shit. Um, uh, I, sorry, um... I, I don't actually know, don't know the answer. I was just thinking about it. Because they say he, uh, he ended up being a substitute teacher and then he killed himself. What? So I assume that was pure dramatic license. Um, is this? It's down. He do say in the film, I just, I just yeah. know. Because then she says, um, Earl, no, what's his name? Harlan Eustace is in jail. He probably wishes he was dead. Also, love to know what our geezer went to jail for. So I tried finding that and I couldn't. I so, tried finding it as well. And I, couldn't, I, was, I didn't know if there was a little summit to say what he got nicked for. Let me come back to you on that because... He's mentioned quite a lot in the book. I yeah, just noted it down because I figured no one else would actually know who it was. What, the poker player? Yeah. Okay, yeah, please. Um, 
he is a guy who, as they say, won a World Series. And so she did the research, looked at the hands that he had, and he was just playing a hot streak, basically. Um, yeah, I'm sure she, she knows more about me, but I just don't, I'm not sure how you win a, win the World Series of Poker on a hot streak. You play him for three days, two days. I think it might be three. I'll find it before we finish, and if not, I'll tell you, no, and then I'll put it in the notes or something. Um, so since this was his directorial debut, Sorkin supposedly lent on David Fincher a lot, and he kept calling him for shooting tips and had him come to set a few times. And then this was the other bonus of um, casting Kevin Costner in a minor role, who's directed three films himself um, and mm-hmm. won a Best Director Oscar. So he supposedly supported him a lot too. So he had a good um, team around him for his first uh, first directorial um, appearance. Take a minute to appreciate how fucking great Kevin Costner really is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Follow-on from last week after we did um, The Untouchables last week as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't give him a shot. It's a shame, really, because he, he's, not, he's not that important to me in The Untouchables. It's a Sean Connery film. Um, whereas I actually really quite like him in, I like him in this. Probably think about him more in this than I do in The Untouchables, which is fucking ludicrous. I was going to ask you this beforehand, but I mean, I don't know if you'll uh, say I'm out of order here. I thought you would Google the answer if I asked you to uh, give you it to think about during the films. Mm -hmm. Um, There is one thing, aside from the obvious um, poker cards and things like that, there's one thing that appears in both Rounders and Molly's game, and I don't know if you would know what that is. That isn't connected to poker? No. You don't think I'll have noticed it, or you don't think I'll know what it is in general? Uh, I, don't, I, I don't think you, you'd notice it, I think. But I thought you'd Google it if I asked you beforehand. No, I'm currently, I, I'm currently looking at what Kevin Costner's produced. So, um, hold on, hold on. It's, are you Googling it? No, no, I'm just trying to think. Promise <laughs> you. Um, I promise you, give me 15 seconds. You can count it out loud if you want. Um, is it a venue? No, so <laughs> what it is, is the car, the car that Matt Damon drives in Rounders, they actually give Molly the same car to show that effectively how kind of uh, run down she is for cash, that she's driving a 1997 Jeep Sport um, oh, at the start okay. of the film. So it's the same car that Damon drives in uh, Rounders. That <laughs> So make, model, colour of the vehicle, literally everything. It's as if they did it on purpose. Harlan Harlan Eustace being in both films? There's a crossover. Um, He's playing at one of the games, isn't he? Yeah, he's not not like a major part. Um, He's at the, um, in one of the casino games, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he is, yeah, yeah. Nice one, shoot, nice spot. So, the amount of money that the FBI took from Molly and the fine she pays was substantially larger in the movie, so they do ham that up a bit. Um, and if we get into the kind of comparisons, who the people were, etc. Um, so the real nightclub where the poker games initially took place was uh, the Viper Room on the Sunset Strip in Hollywood. Um, the club was partly owned by Johnny Depp from '93 to 2004. Um, was popular for celebrities hanging out there. Is obviously famous for being the location where um, River Phoenix died of a drug overdose on Halloween morning in '93. So that's where they played the the very early games at the start of the film. Player X, I mean, 
been said by just about everyone now is Tobey Maguire. Uh, so Michael Cera's character in this movie, I did see um, Dan Bilzerian, who played at one of the games, um, confirms that Tobey Maguire was Player X. But I did switch off the film when he said, yeah, I, I would have played in more games, but um, Molly basically kicked me out because um, I, I was just going to win everyone's money, basically. So, um, yeah, they, they just didn't want to play it anymore. And I thought that effectively just plays into everything most people think about what the bloke is like. <laughs> so I can assume that probably wasn't true with uh, well, some of the money that was being exchanged in these games. Does make it look like Tobey Maguire is like the worst, just the most awful bloke. Though. So uh, I've got some, I've got some stories from the book that you can Google as well. I mean, a lot of the quotes were kind of published um, after the film came out. Um, if you go back and watch the film, or if you go back and watch any of the early poker scenes, there's a guy at the table wearing headphones, just kind of going about his own business. Um, this is supposed to be Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. He can turn up in the games, wear headphones, listen to music. When they describe him, they say it's almost like he had no interest in winning. He just turned up, folded most of his hands, and just came for the social aspect, really. Um, he was friends with Tobey Maguire, and he was friends with a number of other people that came. So it was just a time when a lot of these celebrities that were usually mobbed everywhere else could just have a, a seedy evening, talk about, yes, what we would say, their, their lad chat and that kind of thing. And, uh, and that was what used to go on. Um, the director that they refer to in the film is Todd Phillips. <laughs> no so, way. Yeah, so in that first game, you've got Leo, Toby, Todd Phillips, who... He makes a point of saying that Todd Phillips drinks Diet Coke while he's playing. Um, I don't know if that was supposed to like emasculate him or something because they're saying how everyone else is um, drinking champagne, etc. Um, <laughs> the, the character of Harlan um, is Houston Curtis, who's a TV producer. He's basically a guy who had very little when he was younger. And then one of these kind of get-rich-quick guys because he started making compilations of backyard wrestling and was able to found a TV company off the back of this and these compilations that just sold and sold and sold. And he produced a couple of early episodes of uh, the Jerry Springer show. And so this is just one of these guys who is still like a, I've done it the right way to say it, he's, he's still a bit of a kind of scumbag. He's not like a, 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 a posh boy or anything like that. He's effectively what would happen to most people if they stumbled onto money that they could never dream of having. Um, I would for sure be a scumbag if I had money. <laughs> um, <laughs> me, me and my boss spoke about this the other day, and he was like, yeah. and he was like, what, like, what, we, we were like, what sort of money you think of? And like, the amount that I quoted to turn me into a scumbag was a lot less than he thought. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I think he I genuinely saw his face lose some, some sort of respect for me. I was, <clears throat> it would take a lot less for me to become a dick. But I'm already a dick, but imagine if... Still wouldn't answer my questions. Uh, another guy who um, frequented these games, um, particularly uh, as they got later in, Rick Salomon, most famous for being the guy that uh, defiled Paris Hilton and then did kind of the worst of both worlds because he did it on that weird night vision mode. So broke my heart and then didn't really give me anything to see either. Um, One night in Paris. Yeah, seven million he sold it for and then spent a load of that playing poker. Supposedly, 
he was very shifty when trying to get into the game. The word of this game would travel around. Um, just we spoke about as the game, this like celebrity hangout. He was always very suspicious of Molly, and then she said that that changed very quickly when the first question he asked when he turned up to play the game was um, "wanna fuck." And then as she quietly turned that down, he said, um, "Okay, then I'll buy him with two hundred grand," and uh, moved on from there. So she describes him as uh, a scumbag, but good-looking in a caveman-like way. So even that didn't put her off. So um, Toby Maguire, then, as as shown in the film, is the guy who asked to increase the buy-ins for every game. Um, he did so with the promise of getting Ben Affleck to come. Leo wasn't really interested in playing once the stakes started going up. And uh, Affleck at this point was already kind of notorious for gambling big and his love of poker. So it didn't take much to uh, get him involved. Supposedly, the first big game they played, Affleck came in, Rick Salomon was at the table, and everyone kind of was dreading what he might say. There was a big pause, and his opening question to uh, Ben Affleck was, hey, yo, did that Jennifer Lopez's ass, um, did it have any cellulite on it? Or was it nice? And (laughs) Ben Affleck reportedly stayed silent for a minute, looked at his hand, said, uh, yeah, it was nice. And then pushed in a load of his chips to the big pot to uh, raise in the game and carry on as if nothing had happened, but just that he didn't really want to be having this conversation with uh, Rick Salomon. Hmm. <laughs> Ben Affleck, who knew, who knew? Modicum of respect. Yep. Um, in the last game, before Molly was ousted from the game, um, by Tobey Maguire. As they show in the, the game was legal because she made her money remaining, relying solely on tips. She didn't take a rate from the game. Um, as better players started coming into the game and Tobey Maguire started winning less, he would just take this out on her and he would tell her that she was making too much money, she didn't deserve to be doing this. She had no right and kept constantly trying to find a way to force him from the game. Um, The last game before he effectively took it away from her, he went to give her a $1,000 tip, which she says was quite cheap compared to the other players, considering the buy-in at this point was um, upwards of a hundred or 200,000. And then he snatched his money back and told her to, get on top of the table and bark like a seal if she wanted her chips. He seems like a a fucking prick. (laughs) When she she refused to do that, he mocked her and said, you're too rich for us now. You're too rich to bark like a seal for $1,000. You have that much money, you don't have to bark for us. And when she then again refused to do it, he was angry and later claimed that she'd embarrassed him by uh, showing him up in front of his friends. And uh, use that as another reason as to why uh, he no longer wanted to play with her anymore. There's all sorts of Tobey Maguire stories in there. Like they had a dealer and then he insisted that they needed a shuffle master, which cost around uh, 15 grand. And once they had it, he then told everyone at the game that they had to pay rent for this shuffle master when they played each week. But he would also refuse to play without it. And so he was taking 
about $200 per game early upwards to then about two grand per game just to use with Shufflemaster. And all of these little things, he does sound like a complete asshole. He does sound like a prick. Do you know, because I haven't bothered to read, read it, but do you know, has he ever been asked any questions about it? Uh, so supposedly the, the reason you kind of didn't hear from him for ages was yeah. because of all the stories that came out about him in these depositions. And I guess once one person starts telling stories, yeah, as you always see, it opens up. And yeah. Because some of the things, if you, I remember Googling um, the first time after I saw this, when I went to see Player X was, and they, you'd see videos and things saying that Tobin Maguire is an asshole. And it would be things like, he's not smiling at a fan that's trying to film him at the airport. And it's like, this seems fairly reasonable. And there's yeah. a clip of him snapping at paparazzi. And it's like, I'd probably be pretty annoyed too if they were like blocking my car and flashing a thing in my face. But yeah, even and there's, there's a lot I didn't take down because at, out of the context of the book, it doesn't really mean a lot. But he just seems like the worst bloke. He, he would demand, seem like an absolute dickhead. He would demand every game that he had to have a list of players beforehand as to who was playing. And then if people started winning too much, then he would find a reason to say that they can't be a part of the game anymore because uh, they were ruining it or um, they weren't playing properly or they weren't fast enough or they didn't fit in and all these kind of things. But she effectively, as she says in the film, for a while, she just had to cozy up to him because if, if she didn't have him on board, then she didn't have the game. Yeah. So it was just a tricky thing to kind of manoeuvre around. Um, the scene with her dad was created for the film, as you'd imagine. That didn't happen. Her dad yeah. didn't even turn up at her court cases. Um, her book was also published after her trial. So the way of kind of securing a lawyer in the film is inaccurate as well. One of the big things that's missed out is that she says in this that she's, she lays low, she's not dated anyone at the time because it's not good business. From between the 50k games up to the 250k games, she's dating a guy named Drew McCourt, which probably won't mean a lot. He's the joint owner of the Dodgers. <laughs> so that's quite a big thing, I thought, that is missed out of, of the film. Yeah. Uh, eventually, eventually they break up because she's put in the game ahead of her relationship with him um, they break up right around the time of Ben Affleck getting involved in the game so right up before the kind of 250,000 um, buy-in games hmm. did you know they the guy, Marseille? sorry who? the, the McCourt the yeah they, they they, no they've got a whole they're no longer on like, the Dodgers, but they just they just own, own own Marseille. Yeah, she she explains like several things in the film of like um, this was the kind of life we were living, and like uh, one summer, their parents just decided to buy the like two most expensive houses on the beach, um, and put her and him up in there before they bulldozed it down to make a bigger house and just this life of luxury she was living, getting mm. these private jets suddenly between her games and she seems almost a bit put out that he was jealous of her flirting with other men to get them to come and play in their big poker games. So you, you can see how this went downhill, but I thought that was just, for one, that would probably play quite well in the film if it was done by a different director and it was sold a different way, I guess. But when she said about it in, 
in the book. I, I couldn't believe it because it's such a big thing they make of in the film about that she won't. So then she ends up dating someone who starts playing in the games as well. Mm. And in the end, he stops playing in the games once they got together. But she meets him through poker. Um, he was one of her old boss's friends. Mm. So that's quite a big thing that's missed out. In terms of the film in general, I don't know if, if you'll agree. I know time has gone on. I think the way they kind of sell the poker is a lot more palatable to someone who doesn't really understand poker. But yeah, it's a lot but... easier to follow the scenes, even just putting the little graphics up on the screen like it's a game. Yeah. Yeah, compared to compared to rounders, yeah. Sure. Like in, in rounders and I mean I I know how to play, I'm not particularly good. It takes me a moment to try and work out, okay, he's got that wise this happened or whatever. Whereas they make it a lot easier to, to work out. There's the one scene where they do it best, and it's the um, tilting scene with Harlan. And they really they flash up the cards there to show you what he has, show you what he has, and it, it's it's just so much easier to follow. Yeah. But would you say maybe that's the difference? Is this a poker film as <clears throat> much as Rounders is a poker film, or is this? A drama that has poker in it. Yeah, Rounders is more of a pure poker film, I think. Whereas this is, yeah, like like you said, I don't. I wouldn't maybe wouldn't go as far as saying it's a drama film with poker in. Like that poker is obviously does yeah. have more focus to it, but um, yeah, it's more more around that. Like I said, it's more. It's about the trial, isn't it? Is is the main kind of focus and yeah. the indictment which, one. Which even still, I think when they do do the, the poker scenes it's still not sold as I, th- I think one of the best things about rounders and you might be able to provide a bit more colour keening is that if I was to think of a poker film being made in the style of I mentioned I referenced the Rocky films earlier it would be that Mike in the final scene is going to win the hand because he's got pocket aces it's not going to be what is it like an 8 and a 9 of spades or something that he has it's going to be something that kind of Hollywood obvious. And while there are a lot more Hollywood, the scenes in Molly's game, they still don't feel unbelievable. They're still not every poker scene is um, someone's having four kings to win the hand or you, you get what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, a little bit. But I mean, I suppose, um, like, I, I suppose using... Lynn Hamlet. I mean, eight nine suited, but actually right. But that's just me. Um, but hands like that, how often? Like, do you know what I mean? You you don't see, like, you don't wait, don't sort of wake up to pocket aces every ten hands. So it's it would be. That's what I bit. Would would it not be too cliche? Would you not rather? In that's. It? I mean, also popping a straight is the same thing. It is it is much the same. You like you're doing I mean, is. it's like um, I guess every every boxing film really. No, nobody throws a jab, do they? Like even in like no, the, I think the latest boxing swings. film, like the Creed ones, the, the, there's like eight knockdowns in the fight. The two guys who are just swinging back and forth from the first round to the last round. They don't do that in this, even when they're trying to make it more palatable. They're still not making it unbelievable. Because I think if you do that, 
in a film like this, you're turning off a portion of the audience that are tuning in for the poker style of the film. Yeah, so they, I think the they keep it well on both sides. Yeah, I think the difference is with like you are right. But that is like boxing. So the same as film is about most sports. Joey, it's a it's a sixty, it's a it's a seventy-five yard touchdown, or someone drop someone drops a hole in one like in a film about golf, or they they hole out from one hundred and thirty-two yards. So it's ridiculous. Um, but I, I think poker has. The different difference with sort of poker, especially the scene in rounders, the the point around it is, is he he does actually outplay him. Like the KGB says, he beat me straight up, but he does he does outplay him, and you need, you need to be able to evidence that a little bit more. And this thing, especially for rounders, because, like I said, this was poker wasn't as big a thing then. So I think a lot of the audience, and as you said right at the start of the pod, the two the two guys who wrote it didn't want to dumb it down, didn't want to water it down. No. You get to see that hand develop more than, if you've got pocket aces, I think what does the board, board comes six, six, nine, ten, I think it's diamond, spade, heart. So six, six, nine, ten, rainbow it comes and then it, was it two, two of, to be honest, I think if you were doing two, it, two, I think it's two, the two of clubs and then the ace of spades, isn't it? So it's all, it's all misdraws. If he, if yeah. he hits an ace on the river to then to it trip eights, it's a bit, a trip aces, it's a bit meh. If if you were doing it in the style of that, it would probably be KGB is grinning at his cards because he has pocket kings. Yeah. And then yeah. and then Damon says a catchphrase, he looks down at his cards and he's got pocket aces. In the same yeah. way that uh sort of like you're doing Casino Rail, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, my I guess the 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 ball making the same the same point here. Like you can dumb things down very, very easily. That was the extreme yeah. example, but I find in rounders, it's the complete opposite. I think they do feel like the normal hand that could crop up rather than being the Hollywood, like, as you just said, 75-yard touchdown. Playing heads up poker is all horrific as well. I can say it's so hard. What do you think? We've we spoken before. I think particularly when we did Wolf of Wall Street about how generous they had been with the lookalikes and uh, the actors uh, playing the characters in the, in the bar pit. Mm. We spoke um, yesterday, I think it was, about this is a pretty accurate comparison, Jessica Chastain to, Mo to Molly Bloom. They're born, I think, a month apart. They look as similar as I think you're going to get in this type of film. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a fair. I mean, it's a fair. She wants a brunette and one's got red hair, but like, you wouldn't look at either and say you're doing it like you always. You the point you always make is uh, Belfort, uh, Jordan Belfort, how well he yeah. does having fucking DiCaprio <laughs> show, show out for him. Um, well, even we did it with um, Black Mass, didn't we? With um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whitey's girlfriend in that, and it was, well, I guess, even. White Bulger, it wasn't quite Johnny Depp. <laughs> it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's with this, I was somewhat, I, I did the Google to look because I don't think I'd ever seen what she looked like before. And well, I think I was, it, I was, no, no, I was no, no, I, I, did, I did the same thing. I was going to say, a good one for that is, um, is Boardwalk Empire, if you look at what the actual gangsters look like and the actors that play them. 
Yeah, it's I imagine fast. some of them get some of them <laughs> pro- probably get a decent sort of decent touch out of that. Yeah, quite a contrast. Henry Hill is the one who does fucking the best of it. Best <laughs> yeah. of the bunch, <laughs> Even like, Paul Vario. Yeah. Yeah, fair. So in this in we're gonna come full circle here, Keenan. How do you think Molly's game portrays the game of poker? Um I think winners, losers. I I like I do I obviously the, the amount of money makes everything more exciting. Yeah. So look, if, if Molly if Molly's game was about a ten dollar buy in and she ran it for fifty years and made four million in a week because she was running four games a week, it would be a less exciting story. The, it, the celebrity think? of it makes it more exciting. But I think actually it portrays the, the f- game of cards. Sorry, Phil. Yeah, well, as, the, as you just said, it's, it's the money aspect, isn't it? In rounders, it's a bit like dirty and underground and that. But yeah. whereas once, once in, and in the Viper Lounge, it is a bit like that at the start. But then obviously once they get into the hotel and then like has all of the girls sharing, there's food and... and wine and stuff then it makes it more like high class celebrities and so on isn't it so it makes it a bit yeah. more yeah it certainly portrays it as makes it out to be a lot more glamorous than glamorous yeah yeah like well, a lot more well, glamorous than i presume it is for a lot of a lot of the time a lot so how of does... though do you not think the stakes feel higher in this one like you do genuinely see several people's lives get ruined throughout the course of this film when it comes I mean, to the, the stakes are literally high on it yeah, but in, in, in rounders, even the worst people involved when we're talking we're talking worm here, he never really acknowledges the scale of having like the fifteen thousand held over his head. Whereas in this one, I think far more emphasis is placed on the darker side of gambling. It's almost seen as like a, a hobby that the girlfriend is trying to keep like away from in rounders more than it being like a gambling addiction. Yeah, but I mean, the, the difference between 30k and 1.2 million, which is the only, I think, it's, are there any other amounts like of actual losses, like like devastating losses? Like, oh, someone lost 100 grand. Like she says, uh, the guy who runs the hedge fund turns out loses 100, 100k, no drama. But he's got a hedge fund that's worth 700 million or whatever the fucking that figure is. So the like, biggest what? loss she says in her book that she saw was a guy who lost five million in one night and he paid the next day. That's great. So the guy who turns up uh, in the film, I don't know what they what do they what, like what's their take on what's the take on like the Russian mafia in the book? That interest. Um pretty much as, as is in the film. Um no, so not not really like bit bit not really reference them. Because they don't really like um, they reference the they reference the sit down um where they effectively asked for a part of the game. And that's then the, they reference the Italians. So, oh, so with the Russians, you're saying um, in terms of the stake of the game? Yeah, and the players, because like the, the um, okay, the yeah. So not, up, not she's like, oh, I've got a Monet as his collateral because he hasn't um, got, ca- yeah, got there's cash. Not, there's not too much about them. There's, I think there's one sentence where it says like these guys um, would deal in artwork and things like that. But yeah. this is at the point where she's effectively referencing that um, it was getting harder and harder to check on people and whether they could pay and things. Mm. So they just had to go big and just rely on the people that were turning up for these games were trustworthy. And then yeah. it was far more, she didn't have far less involvement, but there's far less colour to it because a lot of these guys aren't celebrities. They aren't guys that she named. And so I guess with the way the book deal went, 
once you could stop saying Toby Maguire's name in a sentence and Ben Affleck's name, it's a lot less interesting to write about. So it would be a lot more about the money involved than the players involved. So yeah. they do reference like a Russian billionaire or they would she'd say things like um, this guy who there's someone who worked in uh, golf supplies and this kind of thing where they would reference it but not give you too much colour because I guess you could really cares about a guy who sells golf clubs. Exactly. So yeah, yeah no, they, they, they reference more the size of the game so it's more about the life she's living at this point rather than the actual games because you've already had I think I think there's about 34 chapters in the book and you've already had 30 chapters of this poker game someone lost 50,000 and they were gutted and this guy missed his yeah. wife's birthday and so on so on interesting interesting, in, interesting book though it's a bit like um, I guess this is the only time they'll be compared I enjoyed Seth Rogen's book but there's a point where it's like I get it you you smoke weed and you take mushrooms there's only so many times I can read the sentence we were the most fucked up we'd ever been and it was like yeah I, I guess you probably were but I don't need another whole chapter about it so the, the like the size of the chapter of her being threatened by the gangsters is very small compared to like the game of the the chapter of Toby Maguire asking her to bark like a seal uh I, yeah I strange actually cause like I don't know what I'd resent more. I suppose Toby Maguire to, to to ruin her um, from sort of what you've said and what you see in the in the film. Um, <laughs> Michael Sarah is such a is such a. I can't think of who I would put as a better representative of that character in the film. I think he plays it so well as the likable movie character. Who, he could, he's kind of like Toby Maguire, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he, he's, he's got good. the same energy about him. Yeah, and. That, that scene where, in, in fact, I had to phone Keenan at quarter past 12 last night because he was doubting this story, despite... I still don't think it's true. So the scene is in the book, Sean, of um, Toby Maguire talking to a guy and swearing on his mum's life that he has the better hand when the yeah. guy mathematically has the best hand on the table. And Keenan just doesn't believe that this could possibly be a thing. When oh, it literally says in the, the film and in the book... That he calls this it guy the is a very inexperienced poor poker player. Right. She calls it the nuts in the film, and you keep trying yeah. to deny that she doesn't, but that's the actual words. That means he has the best available hand. Yeah, oh, he has she says that in the book. You tried to, no, you tried to no. tell me last night. She's got, oh yeah, he doesn't know a lot, but he had a really good hand. Says he got him to hold the nuts. That means he has. Also, how does she know that? Because that guy in that film does not turn over his cards. So she she's either looking over his shoulder, which, considering one is the one putting all the money in and bringing it, you'd suggest is possibly a conflict of interest. Toby Maguire in the film, Michael Sarah as is, shows I think he turns I think he turns two five over, two five off suit. Yeah, he, he, he tells he, he, he tells the guy he has queens. He's like, queens, yes. man, I swear on my mother's life. He says, yeah. why would you be telling me this? He says, well, either I am toying with you, or I've taken so much of your money already that I don't feel comfortable taking anymore. She says, basically, this is the whole thing of Toby Maguire got in these I don't guys' know why heads. I don't, know, I don't know why it's so important for me to believe this story for you. <laughs> well, because like, this, is, this, is the second com- this is the second conversation I'm having about this in 24 hours. <laughs> it, might, it might be my favourite scene in the film. Favourite scene? That is big. 
Well, effectively, I just don't see it as being that unrealistic. That yeah, I'm not guy, sure why Kian doesn't. Because I can't like see in the grand scheme of always... everything that she says, this is fairly low down on the things that you'd need to lie about. Not buying that someone is bought into a game for fifty thousand and cannot work out that they have the nuts. All these guys, money is like nothing to them. The fact is, they're these business guys where they effectively. All these people that are buying into those early games are doing so because Tobey Maguire is telling them Leonardo DiCaprio is going to be there. And Molly is sending out messages saying, um, yeah, Leo should swing by. He plays most weeks. And then he turns up and he's like the most uninteresting guy that he could be because he's not really chatting. He's sitting there enjoying everyone else's company listening to music. And Charles Warwick. He's the only other person that you and I know mutually that, that plays a, a fair amount of cards. Just the point is, this guy doesn't play a fair amount of cards. They say it. He's Toby Maguire is picking out these rich, very poor, inexperienced poker players. Well, again, I don't know why this is so important to you. If you know what bad things to be doing, it's if and you reference Roy there, you put yourself in the same scenario. If I'm playing the game with you and it's one of my first times playing poker, particularly you'd imagine the pressure's up when the money is on the line, you could probably talk me out and insist there is a better hand possible than this. Okay, if you say so. That's facts. If, if, if you say so. I'm now bored of this, this part of this conversation. We've had a long conversation about whether you could out-sprint the cheater. That was fun, though. I think you could out... Could you outswim a shark? No. Could you outswim Tobey Maguire? In a swim, it's a, key, it's, a swim, it's a swimming pool. You can start in the pool. The shark has to start on the side. Can you outswim it in a 25-metre swimming pool? Sorry, say that again. There's a 25-metre swimming pool. You it's harder than the initial challenge. You against a shark. You can start in the water, but the shark starts on the sides. So the shark's got to wiggle its way into the pool. Do you think a shark knows to do that naturally? I don't know. Well, that's that's the the risk you have to take. Once that shark gets in the water, it's over. That car, does, that that shark has. I mean, a twenty meter swimming pool. I'm a fairly twenty twenty five. I'm quite tall, and a normal great white shark is like double the size that I am. So not only is it built specifically for swimming, I don't know how big they are. I'm not very not very clever with stuff like that. I don't know a lot. But imagine, I imagine they've got to be a fair few meters long, right? Yeah. So let's let's say it's let let's say it's five uh, for for purpose of ease because I really can't, I'm too tired to do maths. No, no, so four would be six point two five. So don't worry about. It. Let's call it four meters. They're about seven meters long. Sure. Okay. Oh, thank you for clarifying that. All right. Well, let let's say five then. Just to say that has to swim five times its own body length and it's built specifically for swimming. Doesn't have to worry about moving its head above water or anything like that and and its breath breathe underwater i would have to travel at the same rate if i'm one point well, if i'm six foot i'm a little bit taller than that but let's say if i'm 1.8 meters i have to travel 10 <laughs> just less than 15 i have to travel 14 and one 14 and whatever a ninth is i think it's 9.9 no 9.9 9.9 so i i have to travel just over 14 times my body length no sean i don't think there's a way i house from the shark <laughs> <laughs> I guess it all depends on how quickly that shark can get in the water, doesn't it? I suppose it does. How far away? I mean, if it's got a roll like 
it's got to like turn its head and it's in, then yeah, I'm probably out, I'm probably out of source. But if it's got a de- if I've got a decent head start, and I'm by a decent, because I don't, how, how far does maybe how this far is exactly what Toby Maguire said to the guy. <laughs> <laughs> it frazzled. It just frazzled. It. Oh, it's like, well, say no. You, the shark just. I'm not. I'm not frazzled. My, my maths is bang on. Now I'm just trying to figure out. We'll give you five. So no. say the shark starts five meters. How quick does the shark move out of water? Five so, That's that's that almost point. sounds philosophical. That question. Um, well, think about what like what a fish is like out of water. It's going to be like that. It's, it's going to be like, like oh. flopping around to try and get. It. I, I I doubt it. I I I don't I don't think that's for me. Could be close. I reckon. I reckon if you give me a give me a whip, I've got a chance. <laughs> a whip. Yeah, uh, but not like an Olympic size pool where they're fucking like massive both both ways. If it's twenty five, I'm talking a ten meter whip. I'm talking basically like a pit bill. Um, <laughs> there is, by the way, there is a shark that can actually walk on land. So, well, I'm not gonna say it's that one. I'm gonna at least make it <laughs> oh, make it interesting. Course, fucking there's a shark. What you can just have a little stroll and get down the ladder. No, yeah, I'm all right. it's called a walking shark. Okay, um, no, I, I somehow don't think I'm out swimming a shark, mate. Even if right, it's far, even if it's five meters, it needs to be a good like I don't know, I think it needs to be a good 50 meters away. 50 meters, that's that, that, that's not fair. Now you've got the nut, oh, then I win them, don't I? Because I'm like that fucking Egypt you're trying to convince me of in the film. I don't fold that. I think Toby Maguire pressures you and makes you fold that. I honestly don't believe he does. He'd have you barking like a seal. What, for a thousand pounds? Or for a thousand dollars? You're fucking right, he would. <laughs> yeah, I'll be out. No, I'm not even going to say what I was going to say. Uh, that's a, that was a clip waiting to happen. <laughs> I played back through your training day clip the other day, so it can't be yeah. much worse than that. Yeah, it definitely was. Um, do you know the worst part about this? You clipping these things and keeping them is, is now, I, now I actually think about what I say. So I feel like you've taken something away from the podcast. Feel oh. proud of yourself. You've you've been quite quiet today. Sean shook you. Sean shook. <laughs> Can't shake his hand. I'll be honest. Wow. <laughs> Sorry, Sean. I don't know. There was no need for that. But and you shook an archer's hand. You should know better. <laughs> Sean, I love that about you. That's a phenomenal quote. <laughs> All right. The film in general, then. What do you think of the ending? Oh, what? Happy Families? Yeah, there's an iteration of the quote that she says is written in the kind of the notes of the court case. The judge didn't shush everyone and say, this woman has committed no crime. Larger crimes are committed every day on Wall Street. They do acknowledge that what she's done is effectively no different to any other any other casino in America. But mm. it's more of a case of she doesn't deserve 10 years, not that she hasn't committed a crime. She still gets 200 hours and uh, over 200 grand in uh, uh, fines and punishments. I know you so said just... I know you said earlier that in the film it's exaggerated what she has to pay back. So what was it in reality? Uh, I don't. I, I was trying to find this out. It's. I think. Uh, I think the money they took off her is largely exaggerated. I know it's. It's probably several hundred thousand or over a hundred thousand that she did still have to pay back. So. She still. She still got fleeced, but. She lived a, a decent life while. Uh, while she had it, and even now, 
what is referenced at the start, she did go on to kind of be uh, a figurehead for women to speak to and uh, set up these foundations that so women can achieve their dreams, etc. Even the story in the film that she has one skiing accident and that's effectively what ends her career. It, it wasn't, she carried on after that and finished third in an American qualifier, but the pileup of injuries and the fact that she was never going to be as good as she wanted to be is what contributed to her stopping. She carried on for like several years after that accident. Is the accident true? She just hit some on the... Um... Yeah, yeah, just unlucky, but yeah, walked away from it and uh, did all right. Side characters in this, you've got quite a few good ones, haven't you? You've obviously got uh, Michael Serra's part. You've got... I do find the Chris O'Dowd character a bit much in this. I I like him as well, but anytime someone's acting drunk in films, it's it's just it just it just cringes me usually because I don't I think it's very hard to play it well without just being unconscious or at least giving us a character beforehand to base it off so it doesn't just feel like a caricature. Kevin Costner as well. Where's he been, Keenan? Well, you fucking come on at this point. What do you expect? Well, I didn't hear you mention him as the as the psycho. I didn't hear you saying that. Well, no, 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 I haven't. But we we have had a we had a, we had a full conversation about Costner. Yeah. Well, no, I know, I know, I know. But I was just adding him as as the name. He says psycho. he knows Keenan. I just I I don't know if he does. <laughs> no, I I don't believe he does, mate. I've got to be honest. <laughs> Jeremy Strong, who when I watched it the first time, didn't appreciate him, but then he's in Succession and in Trials of so- Chicago Seven as well. Succession, talk to me, Sean. Good? Good show, yeah. Do you watch yeah. do you watch Billions? Do you know Billions? I, we talked about Billions this evening. Like, the guys who... I said Billions yeah. was great, because the guys well, who wrote Rounders... Yeah, yeah, the guys yeah. who wrote, wrote Rounders wrote Billions, or write Billions, because I don't think it's finished yet, is it? Yeah. Um, uh, so it's like... It's a, it's a similar vibe to that, because it's about... Well, it's media companies and not not hedge funds but if you like that then it, you'll like succession it's probably better than billions. really wow yeah i really liked billions i really really like billions actually i've got to be honest yeah, so, yeah. phenomenal oh, I might have got cast as well because it's got uh brian uh brian cox in isn't he? yeah yeah and um kieran culkin as well yeah it's good Shall we get into the judging? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Sean. Yeah. Which did you prefer? Molly's game. Keenan? Rounders. I think I prefer Molly's game as well. Uh, you like the books, were you? No. I've said that before. Sean, which do you think is more rewatchable? Uh, Molly's game again for me. Keenan? Rounders. I think Rounders is more rewatchable. Sean, best moment slash scene? Uh, Rounders for me, and it the scene is the it's the last well the last poker hand or the last scene. Keenan, either the scene with the judges. That's a good one. Um, or like he says when he is when he's when he, sorry it's, it's when he plays turning KGB at the end. But I do love that scene with the with the like the yeah. lawyers etc. Yeah. Mine is uh, going full tilt in uh, Moyes' game. <laughs> the Harlan Eustace, the Harlan Eustace scene. Yeah. 
That is a great scene where you just see him deteriorate. I, I, I like the uh, the way they're all celebrating around Brad after he wins the hand, and the collective kind of uh, disbelief that he that he's finally won a hand. <laughs> Problem with very good people who uh, pe- people who don't know what they're doing is wrong, and they will just beat you. And this, yeah, this worked my first few games against Rory, and then me playing every hand kind of worked against me. Uh, so it's an odd thing. Just like people well, make decisions and you get punished for it. It's fucking ridiculous. Happens Rory. Also, weeks, we uh, weren't playing for money either, so it's easier to be a bit more uh, a bit more reckless. Yeah, Rory happens Rory the other week. Actually, we were in um we were in a casino and got taken out in just like the most ridiculous fashion. It was, it was brutal, to be honest. <laughs> Um, like he basically, well, <clears throat> three people in the other. I can't, I won't go through the exact board, but basically, one that's got uh, flops, trip sevens. Rory's got pocket kings. It comes around to the turn. Rory hits okay, uh, like a king on the turn to it to get his trip kings. Money all goes in. This lad in the uh, like to to my right he ends up getting his money in. Just turns it over. He's got uh, he had ten nine. But all of his money's gone in on a gut shot. So obviously he's got four outs. It just pings it on the like pings it on the ribbon like you're like that, and he's gone yes. He like Polish side. I won't do the accent because I'm pretty sure we'll get in trouble for it. But his explanation was I've just seen that hand so many times. It's like well, you, you haven't you because you don't know what the other two people have got. You've no, made no read of that. You've just called for four outs and just got like so so lucky. Brutal. Sean, yeah. Best quotes. Rounders and. Could be two, but I'll go for um. You know what really cheers me up? Rolled up aces over kings. Yeah, I, I, that's, I'm in agreement. The other one I would have said would have been um. I'm still at 20k from the last time I stick it in you. 10kgb. <laughs> I pay you Keenan? your money. <laughs> How long have I got? Oh, <laughs> like seven or eight. I can give you from rounders. Uh, for Molly's game, Molly's game, it's is Toby or Player X saying, "I it's not about money; it's about destroying lives." Yeah, which supposedly he did actually say, "Pay pay that man his money." Is the one I is the quote I always think of uh, when I think about rounders. Also, for me, the hiding's part of the fun. Sees every like, yeah. don't have the, don't have the stones to take one. Who's your MVP? Hold on, I was going to give you one last quote from my boy Joey Finesse. Yeah, I want that quote. That's Joey Nish to you. <laughs> um, I'm saying uh, when he calls me a little punk and he says I'm not, it's not for money, it's not, not, not to be reckless. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm paying for rent. I've got, uh, I'm paying bills, rent, alimony, and my kids eat. Because I think mean, just again, my the player, the person I admire most in that film is actually Joey Joey Finesse. If you can't spot the sucker in your first half hour, you are the sucker. <laughs> One of the things I wrote down while watching it is um, when uh, Gamut is taking um, Worm out of the back the first time. Some Just bloke out there. getting knocked off. Bloke out there is trying to get some top from a stripper. <laughs> yeah. And Worm just ruins it by talking uh, fresh to your man in the bowler hat. Well, I think Gamut ruins it more by telling him to get the fuck out. Well, if if um, Worm hadn't been talking uh, smack in the back uh, in the first time, he probably wouldn't have taken him at the back. 
Yeah, Ware makes a lot of bad choices. Does it twice, yeah. Like, your boy Gamma seems reasonable. He's willing to give him a go, and then he's like, fuck you. And then he's like, well, now you, now you owe me. Yeah, he's a, he's a clad. One of my phones just died, and I can't tell which one. Yeah, yeah one of mine's just died as one of mine's just died as well. I can't find me charge. Oh, there it is. There's my charger. Still hear me? Yeah, yeah. you got can you, you got me all right as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um things just happened. So who's who's your MVP? Uh Mike from Angus, obviously. Sean? Yeah, same. I agree. Um Sean, best side character. I had it for a while with Charlie, but I'm going to change it to Player X from Molly's game. Keenan? Uh, Teddy KGV. Player X for me as well. I love me some Michael Sarah. <laughs> you hate Jesse Michael Eisenberg as well. Is it you that hates Jesse Eisenberg? No, I don't, I don't hate Jesse Eisenberg. I like, I like Jesse Eisenberg. Oh, okay. Um... Keenan, which film has better character development? Good question. Didn't know you were going to ask that. It's all part of the uh, little drama uh, category. I know. I didn't. Couldn't, I too much. At this point, I don't remember what we put them in. There's that many of them. Obviously, there's some obvious ones. Um, better character. Probably say Molly's game. Would Would you reckon, Sean? Yeah, Molly's game as well. I think that. Well, like we've established in this, in terms develop- of development of character, Mike just well, he, he basically <laughs> just goes full circle, doesn't he, and comes back to yeah. the same old guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whereas Molly goes from this like admin assistant who was a skier to then running poker games. So been a millionaire cokehead. Been a millionaire cokehead, yeah. Sean, most dramatic scene. Um, again, I haven't got this because I had the original ones, but. Think of probably Molly's game when the either when she loses when she loses the game. Well, when they realise that the police are there, when she gets that text that the police are there, and she tries to take up and out and run away from the apartment that she's at, or when the mob uh, the mobster turns up at her house, turns up at her apartment, and then has a gun in her mouth. Either of those two. Keenan, I think it might be the full tilt, full tilt scene. The the full tilt scene in Molly's game. It just goes full tilt. The way it's shot, the way it slows down and the pacing and things like that, in, in terms of building drama, it might be that. Because the, the scene of her, like, whilst the, obviously the scene of her getting battered is played for drama, it's, it's, it's fairly quick, isn't it? Yeah, the look of realisation is uh, Harlan knows he's being played. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's actually really well acted. Yeah, I, I wouldn't disagree with either of those. Um, in terms of drama for rounders, I don't feel that too much. It's more excitement with the scenes in there. I don't really feel that's, as tense. That that's probably what I'm trying. That's probably what I'm trying to angle for as well. Yeah, I don't. There's not a great deal of um, the, the, the like you say. It's exciting. It's exhilarating. Yeah. It's almost like a buzz to watching Rangers. Um, which film has the best soundtrack? Probably Rangers. Well, well, yeah. Well, yeah, with Rounders, so they initially had a completely different soundtrack and it was more kind of punchy and dramatic and yeah. they submitted it for editing and the guy just hated it. And so they sent the guy back to to do a completely new score and instead he kind of just incorporated what he already had and worked the jazz around it. So he hadn't wasted mm. his time beforehand and he got a completely new score out of it. 
Um, what do you think, Sean? Yeah, um, rounders as well. Just about. Um, Sean, originality. Don't know. It's quite tough because po- I feel like there's lots of poker films. Well, they're both poker films. Molly's Game based on a true story. I don't know. Molly's Game, maybe. Keenan? What was the question? Sorry, mate. Originality. Rounders. I agree with you there. I've seen more films like Molly's Game than I have like Rounders. Sean, bigger impact? Uh, rounders, I'd put. Keenan? Yeah, I agree. It's kind of held up as the poker film now, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Sean, better opening scene? Uh, Molly's Game for me. I like the, yeah, the whole intro when it finishes with a, like when she says, like, whoever said, fourth place. Yeah. Where's the next clapping? Yeah, I like that one. Keenan? Yeah, I agree. It's interesting as well, isn't it? When you can tell, you can tell from like the footage they've obviously had to get for that. It's like the most basic footage. They obviously can't use, they didn't want to pay the amount of money it would take to use like real elite level footage. So it's like dodgy, dodgy games and stuff. Sure. Which film do you think has the best ending? Um, ending, I've got rounders. Keenan? Yeah, so do I. It might have either way, but yeah, I probably agree. And Sean, which film has the better chemistry? Chemistry, I think Rounders as well. Keenan? Damon and Norton. Yeah, and it's, yeah it's, round, it's, it's Rounders, mate. I think Rounders has pulled that out with the last two. Yep, 8-6. I think that's the closest one we've had so far, Keenan, actually. In the bracket so far. You could well be correct, my friend. Yeah, round is, is through to the next round, so uh, I have a reason to watch that again. Um, and it does keep the left hand side of the draw going strong, so that lives to fight another day as well, Keenan. Um, so next week we will have Sin City against a history of violence, so a bit of a switch up in um, the films that we'll be talking about. Um, whether Sean will be there remains to be seen, but one thing is for sure, me and Keenan will be back next week. So we will see you then.